Amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here today. We honor you. We're glad you can be a part of our service today. We're going to take some time at the end for a special honor for you. But uh, blessings to you for being here. And we honor moms who are in heaven today as well, who uh, many of us uh, have seen them go on to be with the Lord. And we still honor them by our life today, by our gratefulness by the joy that we have and, and what we say about them. So we honor those moms as well. You know, it is through the family that God has designed life to move. It really is. That's how he intended for faith, for training, for our skills in life to all come through family. We've done a, a funny thing in recent uh, decades or so, I guess, here in America by segmenting out to the experts, experts, uh, training for life. So education was originally God's design to be happening primarily through the home. It's through the parent's responsibility that they accept that role. They may choose tutors and others who fulfill and help with some of that, but it's the responsibility of parents. And we've somehow removed that and said that's for experts only, and they do that, and we don't do that stuff in the family. And we've taken things even like um, counseling. And I know there's time for counselors. Trust me, I am one. Uh, so I recognize there's a time to trust and put your hope in and help from other counselors. But God designed the family to be the place where that primarily happens, where we talk about the struggles and needs that we're going through. And even life skills. Those were meant to be part of family training so that moms and dads taught children how to walk through the basic necessities of life and even how to implement faith into life. That was primarily God's design to be in the home. It is through that venue, that format, that place that training is to occur. So when God wrote in Deuteronomy, we spoke through Moses and he said, here are the commandments which I give you today. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them while you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Faith and life, experiences with God, all of that was to be in the home. This was the place that training took place. Now funny things have happened and we've, we've released that to other people and training isn't really happening in the home like it used to. It's interesting now, some of that used to be offered in high schools, your home ec classes, but now, that doesn't exist as much anymore. And what we're finding today, 2021, is that colleges are offering basic adulting classes. Did you know that? Colleges offering basic classes on food prep, how to prepare a budget, how to go shopping, how to repair a car, basic maintenance, how to resolve conflict, how to set goals, how to do the laundry, how to menu plan, how to unclog a toilet. College is offering those courses. That stuff should be happening in homes, amen? That's the stuff that mom and dads teach, you know? 
That's the stuff we just pass on in life. So what you get then today, because that hasn't been happening, you get people, people who are adult age who don't know adult responsibilities. Hello? They are adult age, but childlike in their responsibility factor. They don't know how to deal with the basic forms of life. They don't know how to adult. And so that's where the term adulting came from. And it's been funny uh, to watch the internet and memes over time uh, of how adulting has taken on this almost comedic role for uh, the recent generation. They accomplish some basic task like going to buy groceries and say, oh, I'm adulting today. Hello, that's just what we do. You don't have to put a special title on that. You shouldn't get a trophy for any of that. You should just know how to do that. But adulting has taken on this kind of sarcastic, even negative view. It's a strange thing in our culture today. Adults and adulting is looked at in this negative light. I thought we'd look at a few more memes today that are popular on the internet. We did that last week with some success. So I thought we'd look at a few more today at how the younger generation views this idea of accepting adult responsibility. Here's the first one for today. Adulthood is like looking both ways before you cross the street and then getting hit by an airplane. That's how some young people view adulting. They say, man, it's just, it's hard, it's tough, it's difficult. I don't know how to do it. It's really, you know, so difficult and challenging. Another one that, that you see is one day you're young and then all of a sudden you have a favorite grocery store. That's adulting, right? All of a sudden you realize I've got a favorite place I like to shop. You mocked mom for it and now it's true for you. Another one. <clears throat> One of the weirder things about being an adult is having, to, having your favorite stovetop burner, yet nobody talks about it, right? You've got that one. You walk up to the stove. You're going to cook something. You're going to boil some water, whatever it is. You've got that go-to burner. It's true. It's just one of those things that happens, but no one ever talks about that. Odd. And then one of my favorites is uh, that horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult and you realize that you are an adult, so you start looking for an adultier adult. Right? That happens. That happens sometimes. So in our series, we're talking about adulting, becoming an adult. And we've used this definition. Adulting is accepting the responsibilities necessary for becoming a mature adult. That is important. There's a process. There should be a point in which we put away childish things and we accept adult responsibilities. Except we're carrying it a little bit further. We're talking about spiritual adulting. And here's our definition we're using. Accepting the responsibilities necessary for spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. There should be a place where we grow up in our faith. Now you might have not gotten saved until you were 30. And maybe you're still in the process of taking in the basics of the Christian life. That's good. It's good to drink milk. It's good to be a babe in Christ. But there's a time to move from infancy in Christ onto adulthood in Christ. There's a time where you should step up, own your faith, own the responsibility for feeding yourself, and become a spiritual adult. That's not what we've been talking about. And I issued a challenge last week where I said over the next 60 days, starting last week, which is two months, this series, we're going to do 60 days of adulting. And so I would encourage you, maybe you haven't started this yet. Maybe you started it and you're walking along in this. Maybe you've had a little bit of success this week, but you're not where you want to be yet. That's okay. Continue the process. What I'm encouraging everyone in our church to do is to take some time every day 
where you open God's word, whether you have a paper Bible or whether you have an app, open God's word, ask God to speak to you and begin to read. And when he speaks to you, if you're one verse in, three verses in, or two chapters in, whenever he speaks to you, say, yes, Lord, close it and go about your day. That is the process of spiritual adulting. I seek God, I hear from God, I obey God. Amen? That's the process for spiritual adulting. So join us in that process over the next 60 days. You see, maturity is what God has intended for us. Maturity is where the greater blessings are. There's some benefit that comes to being an adult. Heather and I, today, will see our last son get married. There's something rewarding about that. Amen? Yeah. Five kids, and we're going to see the joy of that later today. And it, it's a reward. It's a joy. It's, it's, it's awesome to say, God, thank you for keeping your promises that you made to us, answering the prayers that we prayed to you, doing what you said you would do, and seeing the results of that. There is benefit. There's joy in adulting, of stepping up, and doing what God has called us to do. And God's passionate for us to experience that. He wants it even more than you do. He wants you to experience greater riches in him. He's not satisfied with your life status quo as it is today. Oh, he's given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's yours. It's available to you. But every one of us are in process of receiving all of those. Amen? We are still learning. We're still growing. And he intends for us to continue in that process, to continue to mature. There shouldn't be a place that we reach in life where we say, you know, I think I'm here. I think I'm kind of arrived. You might feel that way about your career. You might feel that way about the number of children you have. You might feel that way about some other things in your life. Please, don't ever reach that place spiritually. Because the goal that God has for you and I is to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And there's some great folks here in this room, but none of us have completely arrived at that place yet. Amen? So we are still in this process of adulting, of getting to that place. And he wants us to move on to greater depths in him, greater joy in him. And that means leaving some things behind. That means leaving some things that distract us, That means leaving some things that cause us to be dependent on the past. It's kind of like a young person. Let's say there's somebody that's not so young anymore. Let's say they've matured up, and I'm not going to put a number on it, but some mature age. But they are still dependent upon their parents for everything. They are still playing more than they are producing in life. They are still living in their past immaturity rather than moving on to Christ-like maturity. Amen? If someone was like that, we would say, friend, it's time to grow up. It's time to accept responsibility. It's time to be an adult. It's time to move out of your parents' basement and grow up. Right? 
So this is our message for today. Move out of your parents' basement. Now you might say, I've done that. I've got my own house. I'm not talking about your brick and mortar. I'm talking about your heart. Where are you in the process of owning your faith, moving out of what your parents said and did, moving out of what someone else does for you, and you walking in maturity where you seek God, you hear from God, you read the scripture, you obey what it says, you have faith, you are changing, you have new priorities, and you are becoming someone that you were not before. This is spiritual adulting. Our passage today is Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. If you'll turn with me there, it's the same passage I used last week. We're going to expand on a little bit today and talk about what it means to move out of our parents' basement. Because there are some people who, though they have been believers for some time, they are still having the spiritual capacity of a child. And God wants us to experience so much more than just childlikeness before him, but to grow up in him. So here's what Hebrews 5.11 says. The writer is writing and he's explaining so many things about who Jesus is. And he's wanting them to understand the riches of who Jesus is. And in this verse, uh, verse 11, he says, we have so much to say. And it's hard to explain. Because you, or since you, have become dull of hearing. You see, Hebrews is about how Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than just the old covenant. Jesus is better than you trying to pay off your sins. Jesus is better than just religious performance. Jesus is better than legalism. Jesus is better than your arrogance. Jesus is a whole lot better than anything else you can imagine. And he's trying to explain that to these folks. And he wants them to understand, in fact, in this chapter five, or chapter, yeah, chapter five, he's wanting them to understand how Jesus is a greater high priest. And all of a sudden it becomes like one of these deep moments where the writer is writing and he says, oh, there's just so much I want you to know. I want you to know that, that Jesus as the high priest, he's entered into the veil of heaven. Uh, Jesus as the high priest, uh, he, he not only offered the righteousness of a blood that could atone for your sin, but he himself was the lamb while he was also the high priest at the same time offering himself for your sins. And that blood was perfect that he poured out there in heaven and it paid for your sins once and for all and it makes you redeemed and it makes you whole and it makes you clean and it makes you forgiven and it makes you holy and it makes you righteous. And the writer's writing all of this and all of a sudden you just, you kind of get this pause all of a sudden like the writer's explaining it and then comes this verse. I've got so much to say to you. And it's hard to explain. And the reason it's hard to explain is because you've become dull of hearing. That'd be a sad thing for someone to say to you. Someone walks up to you and says, man, I want to tell you what happened to me this week. It was awesome. This thing happened and it was so great. I was going to this. And you say, uh, never mind, you wouldn't understand. That'd be terrible. They're like, no, no, I want to hear it. And they say, uh, it's all right. You had to be there. It's all right. I'm not sure you would comprehend all I'm saying. I, it's just, it was an incredible experience. And that's what's happening here in Hebrews 5. The writer says, there's so much I want to tell you. But there's a problem 
you have become dull of hearing. Interesting word choices that the writer uses here, dull of hearing. He says, you've become. In other words, you weren't this, but something's happened. You started off well, but something's happened. You put your faith in Jesus, but something's happened. You ran so well to start this whole race, but something's happened. You, you, were, you were red hot on fire for the Lord, but something's happened. You've become something different. And he says, you've become dull of hearing. Now, a little bit of word meaning here might be helpful because the word dull here comes from two words that means no push. Interesting meaning, no push. In other words, no drive, no desire. He said, something has happened and you can't take in what God wants to say and do next in your life because you're at a place of no push. You've let some other things come in and your desire, your passion has grown slow, dull. You're not moving forward anymore. You've gotten distracted. You've got your priorities all out of whack. You've started listening to other voices and your spiritual passion that you had has just decreased down to a minimum where there is no push. There's no desire in your hearing. What a sad place to arrive. To know there's so much more that God wants to do in our life. He's ready. He wants to teach it. He wants to lead us into it. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be filled with his joy. But he says, "I, I can't even go there with you right now because you have gotten to a place where you're dull toward me. You've got no push, no drive. And because of that, you can't hear me. You've started listening to other voices. You've started listening to the voices of doubts and fears. You've started listening to the voices of insecurities and and weaknesses. You've started listening to, I want to do what's comfortable, easy. You've started listening to the voices of your own pride. You've started listening to what everyone else is saying, and you've let the priority of seeking God diminish, and therefore, you can't hear me anymore. You're not learning. You're not growing. You're not changing. I have so much to say. He goes on in verse 12 and he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You see, time had passed. They had come to Christ. They had walked in his ways. Enough time had passed that they should have been in a place where they were the ones passing on to others what God had done in them, where they should have been passing on teaching others. They should have been parents teaching their kids. They should have been families teaching other families. They should have been older women teaching younger women. They should have been older men teaching younger men. They should have been leaders. They should have been influencers. All of this should have been happening, but it wasn't. Time had passed. This verse right here trips people up often, though, because they see the word teacher and they assume, oh, that's not talking about me because I'm not a teacher. No, no, no. 
The word here for teacher is a word that is often interpreted in the New Testament as master. Is a word used for an expert, someone who was skilled, someone who had come to a place of great skill and understanding of a subject. It was the word that was used often to describe Jesus. It's what the disciples said about him. Master, oh master, he was the expert. He was the one who was proficient. He was the one who knew what to say. He was the one who knew the heart of God. And the writer of Hebrews says, look, enough time has passed in your faith. You should be at a place where you have become an expert of how God works in a life. You should have moved up in the process. You should have advanced through the years. You shouldn't be stuck in second grade when you ought to be in your second year in college. Amen? You shouldn't be spiritually an infant where you're still nursing on the basics of the faith when you ought to be an expert who's giving solid food to others. Hello? Are you with me this morning? All right. You see, God is passionate for you to arrive at that place. For you and I. Because there's something unique that he's done in your life. Look, it's the gospel that is his grace responded by our faith that changes us. One gospel, one Lord. But the way that plays out in every one of our lives shows up a little bit differently. The way the gospel and the truth plays out in Carol's life versus Heather's life versus, I could just pick anybody here, the way he's worked in any of your lives, same gospel, same Lord, but the way that comes out in your life has a different beauty, has a different grace, has a different meaning to it. Same Lord, same truth. But if you sit down and talk to Carol, you'll, you'll hear the gospel as it has come through her life. If you sit down and talk to Heather, you'll hear the gospel as it has come through her life. Different experiences, same Lord. Can you imagine an entire church who all said, look, we have grown up into the place where we understand where God has worked in our life. Come talk to me. I want you to hear what Jesus has done. I'm an expert in how Jesus changes lives. That is what you and I are called to. That is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to say. You ought to be experts. You ought to be teachers. Quit swimming around in your immaturity. Quit getting lost in the distractions of life. You ought to be mature. You ought to be skilled. God's called us to excel in our faith. But there's something else that's strange today in our land. There is a, there's a spirit that is reactionary toward authority. Have you sensed it? It, it? it reacts to anybody who holds a position of responsibility and authority. So today, the spirit of our nation has a spirit in it that reacts to 
police. I don't want authority telling me what is right and wrong and telling me to stop. There's a reaction today toward the church. I don't want anybody saying there is an absolute right and wrong. Amen? It's okay to say amen. This is a safe space for everybody who believes in Jesus Christ and the Bible is God's authoritative word. Amen? amen. Okay, thank you. That's better. I got scared all of a sudden. I was worried about what happened to my congregation. This spirit today hates police, hates law, hates the church, hates Christians, hates a government that won't give them what they think they deserve. Are you with me still? A spirit today that says, I ought to have the freedom to do whatever I want to do. I don't care what anybody says, even if it's destructive and illegal and wrong. There's a spirit today that hates God. This spirit that is anti-authority, anti-maturity, anti-adulting must be a spirit that you and I completely resist. Don't get caught up in that spirit that looks at people who are mature, that looks at the church, that looks at God's word, that looks at authority and diminishes it. Don't listen to that spirit. It is right and it is true and it is good to grow up in Christ, assume the responsibility of a spiritual adult. Do not apologize for that. Don't walk away from that. Don't shy away from it with those that you work with or hang with. Don't diminish true maturity in Jesus Christ. Because immaturity is where you're going to experience your ultimate victory. If you're walking around in your immaturity, you almost don't have any excuse for wondering why I can't get past this dominating sin. I can't get past this controlling thought. I can't get past this emotional issue. I can't get past this relational conflict. I can't get past this bitterness in my life. You won't get past it. You won't get victory until you decide to grow up into maturity. That's just the way it works in scripture. Children are not designed to drive tractors, cars, fight in wars because they're not equipped. But when they age up, when they mature up, you teach them the skills necessary for life and they can even drive a vehicle and they can even be in a war and they can protect and they can fight and they can do what they've been made to do because maturity is the place of victory. And that's what you and I are called to. So do not give in to that spirit today. The spirit of Christ calls us on to new life. The spirit of Christ calls us on to maturity. The spirit of Christ calls us to walk out of the past. The spirit of Christ calls us to leave our parents' basement. Amen? Now, you might say, okay, I hear you, I think, but I'm not sure this whole parent basement thing. Let's just do this then. Let's do this. Some ways to know that you might need to walk out of your parents' basement. All right, let's just do five of these. Five ways to know that you're in the basement today and you need to come out. Here's the first. You're in the basement 
if you are spiritually stagnant. Have you ever seen a stagnant pond, a stagnant creek where the water has stopped flowing and all of a sudden the water is not clear? It's murky. It's yucky. There's green things growing in it. There's nasty stuff on top of it. It smells bad. Stagnancy is not what you and I are called to. You were not called to be born again and never progress in your faith. That was only the beginning process. We are called to add to our faith. We are called to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're called to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're called to an ever-deepening, ever-growing, ever-changing us faith. That's how you know you're out of your parents' basement. You are changing. You are not who you were. You are not what you used to be. So let me just give a little painful, hopefully not painful, but true look at some things that ought to be true for us. I only say it's painful because it's become such a norm for Christianity today. For people to just get into the routine of doing church and just sit at some plateaued place in their faith. In reality, you and I ought to be an ever-changing creation in Christ. So it ought to look like this. If, you, if you're really walking in his ways and pursuing him and growing, you won't have the same understanding of Scripture that you had a year ago. Your prayer life will be more passionate today than it was a year ago. Your worship will be richer today than it was a year ago. Your character, who you are, your behavior will be different than it was a year ago. Your sense of honesty and integrity will be different than it was a year ago. How you talk will be different than it was a year ago. Your priorities will be different than it was a year ago. If someone comes up to you today and says, wow, haven't seen you in a year. Man, you had not changed a bit. Don't take that as a compliment. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. You and I ought to be radically different than we were a year ago. If God's working in us, conforming us to the image of Christ, there ought to be some things that are true about us that someone says, wow, you know, you seem like you have greater peace than you did the last time I saw you. You seem like you're a lot more joyful than you were the last time I saw you. You seem like you're just walking in blessings today that are different than the year ago when I saw you. If that's not true for you, something's wrong with the growth process. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. For you to be stagnant, for you to be still, for you to be stuck, that's not what God intended. He intended for you to change, look different, be different. This is what growth looks like. This is what maturity looks like. But if you haven't changed, it might be an indicator you're stuck in the basement of the past. Hello? Okay, everybody's gone. All right. <clears throat> Number two, you're in the basement if you have low 
spiritual desire. If you've got no push, if you've got nothing inside you that says, I've got to get up and seek God today. I've got to hear from him. I've got to change for him. I've got to see what he has to say about my life. I've got to see what's next. I've got to see what he wants to show me next. If you don't have that kind of passion and desire, you might be stuck in the basement. It might be time to evaluate where you are. You might be thinking you're okay, but I'm telling you, if you're lacking desire, if you haven't had any desire, if you haven't had a spiritual appetite, if you haven't had a passion to seek God and be changed by God, there's something not right. You've gotten distracted with some wrong priorities. You've you've let some other things become more important. You've got intrigued in trinkets. You've gotten passionate about your own pleasures. You've gotten stuck in your own habits. You've let some kind of spiritual virus come in, some kind of envy and hate or jealousy or guilt or condemnation or something. You've let something take over and it's sapped you of your passion. It's an indicator. It's time to get out of the basement if you lack spiritual desire. Number three, you're in the basement if you don't hear God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The book of Hebrews says that the Holy Spirit speaks and says, today, if you will hear my voice. One of the characteristics of maturity is the ability to hear God. And ongoing maturity should lead to greater hearing, more hearing, deeper hearing, clearer hearing, so that you hear what God says and you walk in that. You obey him even when it's difficult. You trust him when he speaks. If you're not hearing God lead you, speak to you, encourage you, teach you, comfort you, speak blessing to you, correct you, discipline you, if you're not hearing those things today, it's time to look at where you are because hearing is what's necessary for maturity and maturity reveals greater hearing. Clean out your ears. Get before God and say, God, what do you want to say to me? I empty myself of everything else. I am available. This is how you get back to that spot. But not hearing from him is an indicator you're still in the basement. I, I love the, the example that Caleb gave during the worship. 
um, about Samuel uh, as, a young, as a young boy when he was learning to hear from God. And the first time God spoke, he didn't know what it was. He got up and ran to see. He said, did you call me, Eli? Was that you? Eli said, no, that wasn't me. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back, lays down. He hears God calling him again. He gets up. He goes to Eli. Eli, did you call me? No. Go back, go to bed. That story plays out again until Eli recognizes, here's what's happening for the young boy. He's learning how to hear from God. God is speaking to him. He says, here's how you improve your hearing and your response. The next time you hear God speak, you say, yes, Lord. And that is what you and I are called to do. You might be at a place today where you say, hey, in all honesty, it's not happening. I would say to you today, the next time he speaks, which I'm going to guess is going to be during this next 20 minutes, when he speaks, regardless of what he says, you say, yes, Lord, and be willing to do that. You'll get your hearing. You'll learn to hear, and you'll mature in the process. Amen? You're called to walk out of the basement. Not going to be children anymore. We're going to grow up in the faith. Let's go on to number <clears throat> four, five, four. One, two, three, four. Then there's only going to be four today, even though I said five. <laughs> number four. Yeah, yes, Lord, whatever you say. All of these have been very convicting, but this one right here is just going to hit differently. I'll just tell you that up front. You're in the basement if you've lost your purpose. You see, God has a purpose for our lives, every one of us. And I don't mean just some generic purpose of... Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a big purpose to begin with. But it's kind of, um, it's, a, it's a general principle for all of us and to love your neighbor as yourself. But there are some specific purposes about how that gets carried out. I'll go back to Carol and Heather again. They're each going to carry that out in their lives in some different ways. They're going to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they're going to love their neighbor as themselves. And it's going to look a little different for Carol than it will for Heather. But they're both going to do it. And when you understand God's purpose for your life, you start doing that in every area of your life. Not just here on Sunday mornings, but you do it when you go home. You do it when you're on the way to the grocery store. You do it at the grocery store. You do it at work. You do it wherever you are. You live this out. And you get this sense of purpose like, God, I know why you saved me. I know what you've called me for. And I am going to walk in it. When you get that sense of purpose, it'll change the way you wake up in the morning. It'll change the way you put your head on your pillow at night. It'll change every bit of your day. But there's nothing worse Nothing more sad, I'll say, 
than seeing somebody who ought to be at a place of maturity still walking in their immaturity. It'd be sad to see someone caught up in their past and they, they can't walk in freedom in Christ for the future. It's sad to see someone, instead of being confident in their faith, walk in insecurities and fear. It's sad to see someone who ought to be walking in forgiveness, walking instead in bitterness and anger. It's sad to see somebody who ought to be walking with hope for their future be walking in despair and emptiness. It's sad to see somebody not walking in full acceptance in Christ, but instead they're, they're trying to be accepted by every person, group, and crowd they run with. It's sad to see somebody who ought to be walking in victory over habits and temptation and sin, instead living in addiction and defeat. It's sad to see people at, at places like that in their life who ought to be mature, who ought to be experiencing real life, a sense of purpose, a sense of this is what God's made me for. And instead, they're just caught up in the routine of, well, time to go to work again. Yeah, can't wait to get back home. Whew, it's good to be back home. I guess I'll go back to work again tomorrow. Back to work again tomorrow. Yeah, can't wait to get back home. Go back home again. They're just caught up in that over and over and over. They have no greater sense of God purpose in their life. Their only view of God is some kind of bang over the head guilt association. Where he's mad at them and angry at them and trying to punish them. Instead of saying, God, what a wonderful thing you've done in giving me grace, in giving me faith, in calling me to walk in your ways and to grow up. So we wrap up today because the writer of Hebrews doesn't end in sadness. He keeps on in this chapter 5, and he says, here's what I know about you. He says, you ought to be teachers and experts by now, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the word of God. You need someone to come alongside you. You need a mentor. You need a teacher. You need an expert to come along and help you move forward. He says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, a baby, okay? He says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He says maturity has progress to it. Maturity moves you along. Maturity makes you knowledgeable and skilled in the scripture. Maturity increases your appetite for God. Maturity gives you experience in trusting God. Maturity gives you faith for greater things. That's what maturity does. But look, the enemy, the last thing he wants is you to step up into that maturity. He'd rather you be stuck in complacency. He'd rather you just 
Stay with the mundane. Stay with what you've known. Stay with what's safe. Just keep playing by the same old things. Just going in the same old route. Just leaning on old, old things that God did and not having anything fresh that God has done today. The enemy's quite happy with you living like that. But I'd have to ask the question to all of us today. Maybe you've heard these four and maybe you've realized I'm more in the basement than I thought. I thought I was out. I thought I was doing pretty good. But maybe today you've realized I'm in the basement. So I want to ask the question, why? Why are you there? Why are you in the basement? What's keeping you there? What got you there? The story of Genesis tells this very interesting interaction where Adam and Eve have disobeyed God, done what they should not have done. They went in their own ways, did their own thing. And it says they were all of a sudden filled with shame and tried to cover their own nakedness. They tried to hide because they were caught up and they had truly disobeyed God. And they're overwhelmed with the shame of that, and they're hiding. And it says that, that the Lord God came walking to them in the cool of the day. And after he calls out for them, he asks them a question. Here's the question. Who told you you were naked? It's a fascinating question. Adam and Eve, embarrassed, they're hiding from God. They're hiding from the one who gave them life. They're hiding from the one who has life. They're hiding from the one they're ashamed. They're afraid of him. He all of a sudden has become the bad guy. That's what the enemy does. He'll make you think the good guy is the bad guy. Hello. And they're hiding from him as though there's something wrong with him. And he says, wait a minute. Who told you? Who told you you were naked? What happened? Who told you that I was going to be a bad guy, not a good guy to you? Who told you that you needed to run from me? Who told you that I couldn't fix this situation? Who told you it would be better for you to stay in the bushes than it would to be to come out here in my presence? Who told you to stay over there? Who told you to do that? Whatever you come up with is the answer for the question is, here's what was not the answer. God never said, run from me. And today... I don't know what keeps you in the basement. I don't know what keeps you thinking, I could never mature. I could never grow up. I couldn't become that. I couldn't begin to hear from God. I couldn't be used by God. I've messed up too much. I've done too much. I've, I've really made a wreck of my life. I don't think I could ever measure up. I can't do all those things. I could never be used by God. Who told you that? Where did you get that information from? Did the media tell you that? Did a friend tell you that? Did a parent tell you that? Did a teacher tell you that? Who told you? Who told you you couldn't grow up into Jesus Christ? Who told you you couldn't be used by him? Who told you you couldn't make a difference? Who told you to be quiet when you needed to speak out? Who told you all of that? I don't know who it was, but I'll tell you the same thing. It was not our Lord Jesus Christ. He 
has made you redeemed if you've believed on him. He's made you brand new. He saved you. He rescued you. He's made you a new person. He's put his spirit within you. He's called you the temple. He's called you as ambassadors for his name. He's called you to be the salt and light of the earth. He's called you to make disciples. He's called you to stand up and be the truth and the pillar and the ground of truth in this generation. He's called you to be all of that. He never told you to sit down and be quiet and don't stand up for him. I don't know who told you to stay in the basement, but I'm telling you today, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling you out of that basement. He's calling you out of your past. Yes, he's calling you out of your shame. Yes, he's calling you out of your past immaturity. Yes, he's calling you out of all your fears. Yes, he's calling you out of all the anxiety that has held you down. Yes, he's calling you out of all your guilt and all the condemnation because there is none for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he calls you to step up and he calls you to stand out and he calls you to grow up in him. Amen? Let's be a people who do that. Let's don't be a church of just spiritual infants. You know what a healthy church has in it? It has infants, spiritual infants, spiritual children, spiritual teens, and spiritual adults. Because that's what a family has. A family has grandparents and parents and children. What is your place today? Grow up into what he's called you to. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you've called us to things greater than where we are today. You've called us to greater truths and greater wonders and greater riches and to places of maturity of where we ought to be. Let us never be afraid of growing up, of maturing, of thinking there's something wrong with being an adult, an expert, an authority, because that's what you invite us to in maturity. So I pray you would raise up within our church warriors, fighters, leaders, examples, teachers, masters, parents, those who are skilled in your word, those who stand in confidence, those who walk in truth, those who are unashamed of your ways, those who will boldly declare that they belong to you and they will make disciples. Father, I thank you for the calling we have in family, in church, and in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as part of our services, we want to honor moms. And moms, I hope you'll appreciate maybe a little bit of a humorous view of what it means to be a mom. Watch this. I'm so bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> 
Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look. An empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed, you're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull out our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Fight, fight, fight! The floor of this vehicle is so clean that I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Yeah. All right, good. I think moms can relate, right? All right. Well, moms, I'd want to say to you today, thank you. Thank you for your work. I know sometimes it does feel as though it's not recognized, but we want to take a moment today to say thank you. We notice, and more importantly, God notices. The things that you pray for your children, the things that you want for them, the things that you do for them, they may not hear those things, but he does. He hears you, and he will answer you. Take comfort in that today. I want to pray for you as moms today. So uh, dads and kids, if you're near mom on the road, put your arm out. On her hand, on her shoulder, something. Let her know you love her. And for those of us that are here today, wishing mom was here, heaven sees, heaven knows. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your design of creating moms. Those who give birth, give life, give training and give heart to family. I ask you for this morning to give special reassurance, love, comfort, and your voice in their hearts that says, I see, I know, I am with you. So God, I ask you to bless moms for their sacrifice for their love and what they do, passing on life in family. We pray in Jesus' name.